This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Life as a Coder podcast series brought to you by Ozark Institute, an initiative of OncoSpark, a technology-enabled revenue cycle management company, discussing your life as a medical coder, offering tips and advice for coding students and professionals. Join us every Wednesday. Hello and welcome to the Life as a Coder podcast. My name is Jennifer McNamara and I am your host today. Our goal is to bring you timely industry topics in the field of health information management, as well as tips for work-life balance. If you're a first-time listener, we thank you for listening today. And if you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button or follow us wherever you get your podcasts. I want to thank our sponsors over at Ozark Institute. Ozark Institute is an initiative of OncoSpark a technology-enabled revenue cycle management company. This episode starts at a very important journey that I've been on the last few years to research and dig deeper into mental health. We've all experienced mental health in one way or another in our lives, but of course we've seen how the pandemic has heightened those things that we maybe don't talk about like we should. And many of us might struggle with separating our work life and home life and vice versa. Maybe we have a really stressful job and we take some of that stress home with us. Then it affects our family. Or maybe we're experiencing stressful conditions at home and then we bring that into the work environment and it affects our coworkers and those there. So it's even more difficult, right, when we now work at home. And when the pandemic hit, many of us were forced to come into the home environment. There were still some of us who had to be there in an office setting weren't able to do that. We had to, of course, practice social distancing in that way. But many of us did have the privilege of being able to come home and, and work in that environment. There are some, of course, drawbacks and benefits to being at home. You know, from a mental health standpoint, uh, when we work in an environment, whether it's remote um, or in the office setting, we might be dealing with being a manager um, and having the stresses of that role. We might be an employee and have the stresses of meeting deadlines and requirements that are, of course, put on us by our supervisor or by the company. And as a manager currently, also as an employee, having a manager, I have had a unique opportunity to be in both sides of that and see the stress and the challenges that come with both roles. So first of all, I will talk about some of the things that I experienced as an employee. And maybe you're feeling you had some similar experiences. From a mental health standpoint, there were times where I would go to work and I, of course, maybe did it to myself. I didn't get enough sleep the night before with different situations. And so I was tired. And so that may have affected some of the work that I performed. And so I may have had to receive counsel from my supervisor for errors. So what I learned over the years is it's not necessarily the counsel. It's the way you react to it. So the counsel is typically always good. It may not have been expressed in a way that was well-received, or maybe it could have been expressed better uh, in, in, a, in a more tactful or diplomatic way. And that all comes with different personality types or the different traits that people have. Maybe the way they were brought up, the way they express themselves 
is different than the way you were raised or the way you were brought up. And so those things can come into play. So learning to navigate and maneuver through those situations uh, in a way that uh, you can still function in your job and it, it doesn't hopefully affect your mental health too much. But then there are other times where maybe you work with someone, right? They're your peers and they have a personality type or trait that makes it difficult for you to do your job as well. I will say personally, I have had that as well. I've had opportunities to work with different individuals who I thrive with and we have the same mindset. We, we both have the desire. We want to do things right and get it done right the first time. And then you have people that for one reason or another, they just, they don't have that drive or passion for the job. And it shows a lot of times in their work and they're just there for a paycheck. They don't necessarily have that passion. So, and that's due to certain circumstances or reasons, which, you know, I won't go into. So those things can affect your job and your performance. But then you have the other side of things. I want to talk about being a manager or a director. And I will get into the differences between the leader and a boss in a little bit. But just from a supervisory standpoint, you may work in a certain industry, whether it's healthcare or anything else, where you have certain tasks that are put upon you. And unless you're the CEO and you're the, the, the top of the chain there, and so to speak, in that company, you may also be a supervisor who has someone above you. And then you may have these deadlines and requirements that are put on you by your supervisor that you have to now trickle down to your staff and make those things apparent and um, maybe offer to them some constructive criticism based on the reviews that you're seeing, uh, the results. And in most companies um, these days, especially, everything's data-driven, right? So there's data that shows the work. It shows the results. Now, it may not give you a true estimate of, of what you're doing, and you may feel like the data is not showing all the hard work you're putting in, but that could be due to efficiencies that are lacking um, that can be improved. So instead of taking it personal, you know, if there's a problem, are you the first one to offer a solution? Um, and so instead of saying, you did this wrong, um, don't do it again, maybe you can look deeper and think, okay, this person, get to know them a little better. What are they struggling with? Have those regular communications with your team, asking them, what are the challenges you're experiencing? And each team member might be in charge of a certain task. So drilling down to that specific task and what is it they're experiencing with that task? What do they need or not have at their disposal? A tool maybe that can be helpful to them, resources that they need to do their job that are lacking. And because you're in that role as a supervisor, maybe you have the ability now to drill down into those deeper levels. What do they need? How can I get that for them? How can I get them the tools they need to succeed? And then at the end of the day, realize that you aren't your own personal island, that you cannot do things on your own. You have to delegate. You can't micromanage. You may have done things a certain way previously as an employee, and you know now that you're in a manager role, this is how things have to get done. But are you willing to listen to your employees and listen to the, the thoughts that they express and the ideas they have? In the teams I've worked with where that has been a factor or has been a component, we've thrived. And even now as a supervisor, a director of education at OncoSpark, I feel so blessed and excited that I get to run a team, a team that I handpicked, but also a team that I trust and rely on every day. They come to me with, with issues they have, and they know that I'm not going to blow up and I'm not going to overreact to those questions they have because they are valid questions. 
And when I dig deep and, I, and really just listen to them, listen to their concerns, listen to what they're going through, that helps me understand, okay, here's the problem. Now let me think, what is the solution? And I, I of course, pause. And if it's not something I can offer at that moment, maybe it's something I have to research or dig deeper. Or maybe I have to ask my supervisor because, believe it or not, yes, as a director, I have a supervisor that I have to go to to get approval for things. And I work as a team in a team environment. And I know that's the true success of a team is relying on your team, whether it's your team underneath you that you manage or the team that, as the directors, maybe all of the supervisory roles come together and meet. And we do. We meet uh, every week, um, our director teams. All the department heads, we meet and we discuss what are the departments facing, what do the departments need, and our reports and our data show that. We update those reports regularly. We let everyone in the company know um, visually with our data, this is what it's showing. And then we have escalations and call-outs. We ask, okay, like, what do we need? What does your department need? And that's the way you can be efficient in a, in a company, in, in a department. But I also realized that Sometimes the things we're going through at home, whether we're a director, a supervisor, or an employee, um, we have the tendency to bring those things to work with us, and that can affect things. But there are some things that an employee uh, might bring with them to work uh, from home. Maybe we are strapped down economically and we're having issues paying our mortgage, or we have issues with children being at home and all of the issues we're facing there. Uh, Maybe it could be a combination of those things. And so what I have seen is certain organizations being very proactive and offering employee uh, assistance to help them with those stressors. And so there are very uh, amazing benefits to offering this to your employees. And there are different types of stressors out there. We have positive and negative stressors because some stressors can actually be viewed as an opportunity um, or a positive trait rather than a negative So if you have a really big deadline or a certain thing that needs done, um, try to describe it as a challenge or a learning opportunity rather than something that's going to cause conflict. Um, So thinking of those as opportunities when we face some of these stresses, um, use that feeling of, of stress in a positive way versus a negative way. And as a leader, we know that there are different types of stress that come with your your workload that you have, there are many complexities to certain roles, and we know that there's time involved, uh, maybe some limitations on time that we have. We have deadlines. This is a normal part of the work environment. It's very, very similar in all industries. Um, but we want to make sure we're understanding how we can be an asset to our organization by managing these things effectively and prioritizing the tasks in an effective way. We need to look at our employees individually and what they're going through and also be able to assign tasks to employees to make them feel like they're accomplishing things and not assign them tasks that it will take them longer than another person maybe to effectively perform. Look at the weaknesses and also the the strengths of each employee and decide who can handle this task, how much can they handle, Maybe some of the things you have talked to them about, you know what they're going through at home, and they just can't handle that task right now. They can get done a lot of work with a certain task. So prioritizing one person over another, this person is, is being very productive right now, and so they can handle this task, and they can, they can shell this out really quickly. But maybe something that would require more time and it needs to be have given more thought, 
maybe that will be best applied to somebody else. And knowing those things about your employees and knowing them well is going to help you make effective decisions when assigning tasks. And that makes them feel like they're actually accomplishing something. They don't feel like they're a burden on the organization and a drain, right? They want to feel useful and valuable and use their skills appropriately. I will say one of the, the worst things you can do is assign a task to somebody who has a certain level of education, a certain level of uh, you know ability, and you give them a task that they may take uh, as a sign that you don't trust or value them. We may have an employee who has a certain level of education or certification they worked hard for, and they also have experience in a certain area. So we don't want them to make them feel that we're having them go backwards in their career in some way by asking them to do a task. And Maybe it's something that is important and it's, of course, belongs in that realm and it's not like we're asking them to do something that isn't important, but explaining to them why we need this task done. And even though they may have a certain level of education or they may have experience in an area, that it's not taking over that, but it's just a task you need to accomplish. And you trust them enough and you trust them to complete this task. So expressing that to your employees, making them feel useful and important and valuable. That is the, uh, of course, the way that I like to be. And a lot of the true successful leaders out there that I know personally also employ in their roles. So let's talk about that burning question that I mentioned earlier. What is the difference between a leadership and a boss? Now, this is a topic or a question that many have asked um, and try to constantly look at as a leader uh, to make sure that we are being a leader if that's where we want to be, right? But the great Theodore Roosevelt once said, people ask the difference between the leader and a boss. The leader leads and the boss drives. So that kind of gives you some insight into what we're going to talk about. And of course, both of these individuals, uh, these ideas here, are going to be in a position of authority. Um, But... Someone who is a boss may just be there, right, for that job. Like they know they're an authority. They know they're the one that has the uh, ability to make decisions and they can hire and fire. Uh, They can do kind of a, a, a wide range of things within their role. But what is the true success of their team if they are a boss versus a leader? This can really impact the organization's success at many levels. When I think of a leader, I think of someone who is always looking to improve, not only themselves personally, professionally, but also helping their teams grow. So if you have a staff member and you know that they are in a role that they're not happy with, are you offering them opportunities for growth? Look at their their work ethic. Look at their desire to grow. And are you holding them back because you don't want them to leave that position? I am so grateful to the leaders I have been a pleasure to know in my past career that have seen the, the uh, potential in me have offered me room for growth. And when I wanted to go from a, uh, being a biller to being a medical coder and getting certified, they supported that decision and provided me the tools and resources to do that. And I do the same thing in my role. If, if anyone in my organization or my team wants to join the education department or wants to leave a role and become certified and, and move into a different role, I applaud it and I say, here is what you need to do. These are the steps you need to take to make that happen. And also as a leader, I try really hard to listen to everyone. It's very hard for me as a professional when I see other professionals out there that went to school for something, right? They, they're they a professional in their field, in their lane, right? 
And then they hire, of course, another professional to do a task. But then trying to micromanage or tell that person who is also professional in their field how to do their job is very distasteful, right? And it makes you just feel, I don't know, off, right? And you just feel like you're not worth anything. And I went through that in my life. I went through positions where I was a qualified healthcare professional. I went through training and I became certified in several specialties. And now I was in a role where I was a consultant and I was being asked for my opinion. And then when it comes down to it, someone tells me, no, that's wrong. Do it my way. It's hard because you know the right thing and you know what's right and you can back it up with data, with proof from regulatory agencies. And those in that position still feel that they are in the right. And at sometimes that's just what happens and you can't change that person. You can show them all day long proof from regulatory agencies or from authoritative sources why what you're doing is accurate and correct, but comes down to it, it's just a personality disorder they have. They, they have this disorder that we are going to talk about in an upcoming episode with a psychologist that is an actual disorder that can affect people's ability to thrive in the workplace and, of course, to be an effective leader. And as I mentioned earlier... When we try to enforce people or force them to do a task and give them all the reasons why they're failing or making them feel like they're never going to accomplish something because we're giving them so much work that they can't handle, as a leader, you're going to create opportunities for them to grow and thrive. You're going to give them tasks they can accomplish so they feel like they are accomplishing something and they're going to be happy. You're going to have less turnover, right? Because you know with certain bosses out there they're all about um, being accountable and getting the task done at the time you require it. And if not, you're gone. And so that is the difference because they feel like they don't have time to train you. They don't have time to help you. They have deadlines. You have to meet them and that's it. But a leader will provide, like I mentioned, those opportunities for growth, opportunities for figuring out a solution to the problem. And it's not always an easy fix, is it? Um, sometimes the solution may not happen right then. It may take multiple uh, attempts at meeting with different individuals, um, trying to come up with a, a process improvement because maybe the process itself is the issue. The person that is performing the task is doing their job effectively, but the process that they have in, in place is not efficient. And so a leader will try to come up with that solution um, to help them reach that goal. And that is the goal, right? We all want to reach... Uh, a process that is efficient and that is going to help the organization as a whole. Now, we might be a leader uh, that likes to work in a team environment, which I thrive on. Some do not. Um, when it comes to a boss, I think of someone who is like, okay, I don't have time for this. I'm going to make you do it because I have to work on this, right, this task and I don't have time for this, so you do it. It is important to delegate. That is important. That is an efficient way to run a team is to learn how to delegate. But you don't want to delegate everything, right? You at times will want to, uh, as a leader, try to collaborate. So with me and my team, I, I schedule meetings and I say, hey, bring your ideas to the table. We have this issue. Let's figure out how we can all work together. What ideas do you have? And, and even one of my staff members that came from another organization, I asked her, did you ever have a situation like this? What did you guys figure out was effective? How can we come together and, and do that? And then I'm not the kind of person that says, okay, I'm a leader or I'm a boss. 
It's not my job to do that. If I had an employee who was sick or out, the task wouldn't get done. And then what happens, right? Then we're further behind, right? So if I don't know how to do the job that they know how to do, then why am I in that position in the first place? So when it comes to, for instance, the medical coding environment where we're coders, I'm a coder. Um, I am in my position, hopefully, because I have done that work at some point. I know how to do it. I'm hiring people that also know how to do it well. Even though I'm in a position of leadership and I have to delegate some tasks, I still am willing to dig into the trenches and do that work myself uh, when I need to. And if an employee has a question for me, if I don't know the answer, then why, again, am I in that position? If I can't help my team with the answer to their question, then am I really in the right role myself? So those are the things to, to think about in those areas. And I don't know everything, and I never assume that I do. And I would never, ever, ever tell anyone that I know everything. There are some out there, of course, a boss would assume that, right? But a leader would always have that lifelong learner attitude. And that's what I have. I try my best to have that. And I don't come out there and say I'm a leader because I want to say I'm a leader. I have my team always praising me too because they know I'm the first person to praise them. And that is who I want to be. I want to be that person that is going to be always willing to uh, find opportunities to praise and show the value of my, of my staff. Because that's what I needed when I was an employee. I needed that validation and support that I got. There were times I didn't get it, but times that I did. And that's what I focus on. I learned from the leaders that I had the privilege of working with and that I still have the privilege of working with. Believe it or not, there are so many people in my organization that I have to report to that I totally respect and I am in awe of their ability to be leaders. And I learn from them every day. So always be willing to learn more because things are constantly changing, especially in the healthcare industry and in the business of healthcare. Nothing stays the same. Everything changes annually, um, if not sooner. So we need to be willing to, to adapt and change and, and not always insist our way or the highway, so to speak, right? Um, and communication. Um, we want to be a good listener. Communication is key. Um, those organizations that have the ability to be good communicators, and usually when that's the breakdown happens, right, when there's a lack of communication. When, when you have a task that's not getting done, it's usually some department is not communicating with the other department. And that is what's happening. And so when you communicate, you have a maybe a communication tool or an effective CRM. Uh, that is really where that can take place. Your teams can collaborate and that can happen. And you're not willing to change, right? But a leader will. Um, if, if you're a boss, you might just think, I'm always gonna be this way, I'm not gonna change. This is what I'm tasked to do, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna go home and I'm done. But a leader is always looking for constant improvement in their self and asking for that improvement. That's one of the things I love to do is, uh, I learned this at an early age that I'm obviously not perfect, but that I have a lot to work on. And every time I do something wrong, I want to know why. Why did I do that wrong? I mean, what went wrong in my brain went off that made me do this? Because I'm kicking myself, like, why did I say that? Why did I do that? I wish I could take back those words. I wish I could take back the decision I made. But again, I'm asking people around me, those that are more experienced than me, or even those that don't have as much experience as me, I want to know what would you think from your standpoint I could have done to improve that situation? What could I have done differently? And I'm always asking for constructive criticism. And I get it, guys. I get it all the time because I'm not perfect and I make mistakes. 
and I want to do better. I want to always ask those around me, and even on LinkedIn or even on social networking, if there's anyone out there that I have regular dealings with, I look forward to their constructive criticism and their critiquing of me and, and my role because I want to be better as a leader. And numbers are important, as we know. We have deadlines. We have to meet those numbers, especially more finance in the finance role or if we're in the business of medicine. Numbers are important to our facility and to our clinic. We need to see that data, right? Um, but it's also the value in that. You can look at numbers all day long, but what, is they, what do they mean? What do they tell you? What do they tell your organization about your successes, your failures, where you're going, where you've been? And those are the things to, to think about. Um, but again, it's not like you can't change, right? You can go from a position where you are maybe doing things inefficiently or you have this attitude we mentioned, but you can change that attitude. You can become a leader. There have been times where I've learned this lesson and it's happened over time. It's not something that I just developed instantly, like through osmosis. It, it took work in constant analysis of myself as a person, as a, as a professional, um, the things, the people I chose to leave behind and the people I chose to attach myself to have made the difference in my career. And so if you feel like you're fit in that boss kind of world and you want to get out of that, there is such room for potential in you and you can do that. Um, maybe you feel bad because you treated a staff member a certain way and you wish you could take it back. And maybe you can't to that person, but to the next employee or the next person you encounter, you can change and be better for that experience you had. And I've said things to people that I wish I could take back. And I, I learned from that. And now I've moved forward and I've may have to let go of some of the resentment I've had towards certain people that, that I've worked with, but it's made me a better person, a better leader. And I applaud all of you out there that are trying to be better. And for those of you out there who are in a position, you're an employee or a manager, and you're in a position where you know you can't leave at this point in time, but you feel like you're stuck, like there's maybe a reason you have to stay in that role for this point in time, do the best you can to endure that. Endurance makes you stronger. Um, endurance always builds good qualities in us. And when that time does come for you to have that ability to step out of that role and you can have uh, an opportunity, then don't... Uh, refuse to take that opportunity. Don't miss that opportunity. And I always say the reason that I've been so successful, people ask me all the time, is because I don't turn down opportunities. Unless it's going to be something that I know it's going to harm me or it's not going to really provide any value to, to my, my growth. Um, there are opportunities you just have to turn down and you can't always take them on. But evaluate them. Evaluate, is this company that I might consider working with? Research them. Research them. Ask Privately ask individuals, maybe on LinkedIn or, or different organizations or different social platforms, ask them privately, you know, if they've worked for that company, what their experiences were. Uh, maybe it was just one person that made the difference, but as an organization, how do you feel about them? And did you feel valued? Did you feel important? Did you have room for growth? Those are the things you want to look at when you go into an organization. So I hope today this kind of helped understand a little bit more about our stresses that we experience from home to work and the relationships we've had over the years that have maybe challenged us or made us better. Uh, maybe we can look back at those experiences now and feel a little differently about them and how they've um, changed the way we view ourselves and our jobs. So take this information that you've learned today, take it back to your job or your home life and try to be better in all areas of your life as a person, as a professional, 
And I promise you, you will leave work every day feeling good about yourself, feeling good about the task you performed, feeling good about the team you've developed, and you continue to lead. And as an employee, you're going to go home feeling great about your work that you did uh, for that company. You feel like you did a good, honest day's work, and you can get sleep at night, and you can, of course, separate that time you have with your family uh, and enjoy life and have a good quality of life. Well, this has been Jennifer McNamara with the Life as a Coder podcast. I want to thank our amazing podcast producer, Gabriel Fast with Highland Productions. Until next time. Thanks for joining the Life as a Coder podcast. Please feel free to rate or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate that effort. It helps us share the show with other healthcare professionals just like you. Join us next Wednesday for another episode. We'll catch you then.